Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Hey, good morning. How are we all? Good? Who's feeling good this weekend? Come on, the weekends are always good, but it's even better when Manchester United win the FA Cup. Is anyone with me? Does anyone else support God's team? Come on. Come on. And the hips as well. <laughs> anyone who beats Rangers, come on. That's where I am. So um, somebody put a, a comment up yesterday that, oh, look what the Hibs fans done to the goals have shattered it. And I replied and says, I thought that was that bullet winning goal that broke the net just to rub it in that little bit further. So good fun, eh? Good. So this morning I'm going to um, speak on prayer and uh, just cover, a, a, as we've seen the Lord's Prayer, just to run through that and uh, see if we can take more from it that, than Jesus taught. Um, and I've got a couple of slides. If I was to ask a question on your prayer life, and myself included, which one of these pictures would best describe your prayer life just now? So, Robert, if you could put up the first one. There's a, a great image. It's um, fruitful and um, beautiful and vibrant and colorful. Would you say your prayer life is like that, or would you say it's more like the next slide where it's a little bit dry and barren and uh, not much happening in that picture. And there's a little um, insight to possibly where our prayer life is. Obviously, I could have found loads of pictures that would maybe sum us up better, but there's two. So is our prayer life as Jesus wants it to be? So we'll start with prayer. What is it and why should we do it? And Sometimes we see it as like a, a religious duty or something that we should do because we're Christians, it's the right thing to do. However, through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that it's more about that, and it's about relationship and fellowship um, with Jesus, and it's about connecting with God. So Matthew 6, verse 5 to 13, starts as this. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the, the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins 
as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So there you go, a very familiar uh, prayer. You may be here at weddings and all, all sorts of different events, maybe funerals, whatever. And uh, Jesus gave it as a, a example of how we should pray. And the disciples walked um, with Jesus for around three years. And what they've seen in those three years is, would be fascinating, to say the least. It would be explosive and exciting. Uh, they've seen people rise from the dead. They've seen blind people have their eyes and their sight restored. Deaf ears being opened. Demons being cast out. Water turned into wine. Jesus even walking on the water. Jesus coming the storm. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And what's the one thing that they asked Jesus to show them how to do? Lord, teach us how to pray. See, they've seen Jesus pray. They've seen him go away into the wilderness. They've seen him go away into his quiet times. They even witnessed him praying uh, with droplets of blood. That's the, the extent of Jesus' prayers. And they've seen that. And of all the things that they've seen, they asked teach us how to pray. I'd be quite interested in knowing how to walk on water. That would be the first thing I'd maybe ask. Show me that wee technique that'll get me across to Edinburgh quicker in the mornings. But they asked specifically, teach us how to pray. So Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. Um, and of course, there's power in the prayer. Um, and it's great to speak that prayer and to not forget the background of that prayer. But it's to remember as well that it's a guide of not specifically what we should pray, but how we should pray. So we're going to break it down um, to see where Jesus, what he was pointing to in each um, area of that. And before we do, we read at the start, but the first thing Jesus does is he teaches us what not to do. He doesn't just go straight into this is how you should pray. He says, well, first of all, this is what you should not do. And uh, it's, Jesus is very specific and clear, and we have to ask ourselves why he would say that first. So what we can see is that God isn't impressed with the type of praying that babbles on, or prayers that are made up of impressive words. Uh, how many of us have been at prayer meetings and wanted to pray out and have not had the confidence to do so because we don't feel that our prayers are eloquent enough or um, fancy enough, um, I've been there myself, <laughs> where you sit quietly, and uh, God's also not um, impressed with heartless prayers where we are praying, just for the sake of it, um, because we know that we should be praying. So, uh, we've all listened to someone babble on, haven't we? There's probably an instance that we can think of where some of these just went on and on and on and on and on again, and you're the listener, and you know what that's like, don't you, when it's just somebody just keeps on talking and talking and talking, and uh, it's probably a good time to say that we've probably all done that at some point in life, um, where we like to chat about something and somebody's listening, so we're told by Jesus not to babble on. Um, our prayers have to be genuine, and they have to come from the heart, and so when Jesus speaks about this, he then starts by saying, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. 
straight away who are we praying to? We're praying to our Father. Not a distant God, not a passing stranger, not a heartless God who isn't interested, not a judgmental God or an angry God who's desperate to pour out his wrath and fury on us. That is not who we're praying to. And as I was uh, typing that specific part of my notes out, I had, a, I was, had some music on and I heard the tiny feet running through the house. So that's Amelia got up again. And sometimes she gets up, she'll be a bit, she might have a sore tummy or whatever, and she gets a bit whiny or she might cry. But this time she got up and she walked into the bedroom and she just peeked her wee head round the door and I said, it's okay, you can come in. So she ran round to my side of the bed and I just pulled her up. And she sat right beside me and put her head on my stomach and just right, looked right into my eyes and smiled. And it was like God was giving me a picture for this talk of how he accepts us when we take quiet times and we make time for him and we go to him in a calm moment where we make time and we go into his presence and we allow him to stretch out his loving arms and wrap them around us. That's how God sees prayer and that picture summed it up for me. And um, so it's a, we're praying to our Father, our Father who loves his children and is desperate for his children to spend that quality time with him. Uh, God sees our relationship with him as intimate and that we are to continually, continuously go and find that time. I know it's difficult in the busyness. We'll maybe come to that later. Um, so we're praying to our Father. That's the first thing that Jesus shows us. And it's no secret that today's generation is described as a fatherless generation. It's, it's, a, it's a big problem in society. Um, and there's a high percentage of children that aren't living with their biological father, and even many of them haven't seen their fathers for so long or whatever. And um, our society seems to have forgotten or ignores the fact that God has placed within us the need for a father, and only a father can fill that hole or that bit, that thing that God's put inside of us. And um, there's good news, though in Jesus Christ, and he came so that we could meet his father, and his father could become our father. And that is probably the greatest and most significant prayer any one of us will ever say, is the day that we cry out in prayer and ask Jesus to become the savior of our lives and to restore us and to make us new. That is the most powerful prayer possibly any one of us will ever speak out. And we can do that as Jesus, for everything he done on the cross, allows us to be able to call God our Father as Jesus does. So, Jesus says, follow me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow me, you'll come into relationship with my Father. And that's the whole purpose of Jesus, that each one of us could come into relationship with God. Um, So, John 1.18 also says that no one has ever seen God, but the one, only, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with Father, has made him known. So when we pray, we pray that we might get to know our Heavenly Father. 
That's the core essence, I believe, that Christians should be praying, that each day we draw close to God, that we uh, develop a relationship, we understand uh, the love that He has for us, and when we are in that place, we can then, you know, sometimes we want to see people being healed, and we want to be able to reach out and see people being saved, and I think that the core of that or the foundation of that begins with each one of us knowing God and having an intimate and a passionate and a powerful prayer life. That has to be the start because when we're in that place, that's when we see who God is and that's when we can hear his voice and see through his eyes. So, um, knowing God as our Father through Jesus will shape our prayer life. Um, when we know that God is tender-hearted, He's loving, He's caring, He's gentle and full of mercy and compassion, it helps us to realize that our prayer life is, in fact, very, very, very important. And life gets busy, and often we sacrifice the prayer time or we pray just quickly here and there because that's what we should do as Christians. But um, there's a, a bigger purpose towards prayer for us. So, um, it's not uncommon for people and um, Christians multitasking to struggle with um, intimacy. The intimacy that Jesus invites us to. And um, instead of feeling close to God, Maybe we're a wee bit more like the prodigal son who wandered so far away. And I don't mean specifically from church, but I mean spiritually and intimately. Um, are we distant in our spiritual life and a million miles away from the close, tender relationship that God is desperate for us to have with him? And sometimes, or perhaps, we've um, felt hurt or ignored by God himself, and uh, we say that God um, maybe wasn't there for me when I needed him, and then we feel a, a, a break in the chain, if you like, and we become distant, and our prayer life tapers down, and we carry this pain or rejection or a bit of bitterness and anger towards God because something didn't happen, or our prayers felt like they weren't answered. Um, I heard recently somebody saying that as much as God's interested in every detail of our life, he's extremely, um, maybe not the best word, he's, uh, God is interested in the comfort of our life, but more interested in our condition and our spiritual condition and um, he wants to allow us, not that he puts us through things, but we maybe want, we pray for the comfort, but God's interested in our character. And he wants us to grow, and sometimes that requires stretching us, as you probably do with your kids when they say, I can't do this, and you say, no, you can. I, you, you, you encourage them along, and God has the same intentions for us to develop our character, because each day he is teaching us to become more and more like Jesus himself. Um, so, 
maybe we've been in a situation where something hasn't come off. We've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and we feel like it's fell on deaf ears. We've been praying to a brick wall, and we're getting nothing back. And so what we do is we maybe then distance ourselves, and we see that as rejection or that it's a lack of interest from God, and then our prayer life can become um, damaged or non-existent. So um, often we maybe see God as an personal force who doesn't know us really or doesn't care about us, which is the opposite, obviously, from who our Father is. So I know at times I've maybe been like that. I've seen myself crying out in prayer for things, and there's times where I've been on literally on my knees in situations, financial, even when I set up my plumbing business, I, I had a, a nice fancy Audi S3, which is still a very touchy subject. The youth know all about it. I had this cracking Audi S3, but I lost my job with a recession, and I had to buy a old rusty van to get started so I could try and make some money. But the problem was I had this car and the car payments to go along with it, and I put it on an, on an advert. I had very, very little money left after buying the van and buying some essential tools to get started, and I got to the final day of the advertisement, and I was going to have to pay X amount again to get it relisted. And I remember uh, being in a house fitting a central heating system, and I was on my knees working anyway, but... I looked at my watch and I said, I've got one hour left and that advert's going to run out. And sometimes it's when you're at the very end that our prayers become extremely sincere and we really start to pray with a purpose and a passion. And I prayed and said, God, I need this car to sell. It looks highly unlikely because in three weeks I've not had a single phone call. I've got one hour left. One hour. I need this car to sell. And within that one hour, I got two phone calls. And one guy came all the way from Bishop Briggs, got in the car, drove it to the end of my street and back. And we, oft, we know often that when we're selling cars, you advertise it up here and somebody brings you down here. That's the, the nature of it. And th these guys turned up in big Mercs. I'm not sure what their business was, but they looked, uh, they were big, huge guys. And I would have given them the biggest discount they asked for, really. But... The guy just turned around to me and said to me, I'm not going to mess you around. There's every pound that you've asked for. Handed me a wad of money. I did wonder if it was real as well at the time. <laughs> this is too good to be true. And he signed the papers and counted the money and off he went. Within one hour of genuine prayer. But God taught me a lot through that. He could, I, he could have sold that car for me on the first day, I have no doubt about it, but I learned so much from almost being taken to the edge where my character was developed and a, a, a new part of my Christian life had been um, opened up and I could see things in a new light. I've also, as many of you, you we've all got stories. My mom and dad's got great stories, I'm sure. You've all got great stories, and uh, just God moves so powerfully through our prayers. So, um, prayer is relational, and relationship requires communication. So, if Zara and I didn't speak, we'd have a very strained and dry relationship. 
and we do have our moments <laughs> where we don't speak. However, it's no different with God. We need to be communicating in our relationship. And it needs to be on a daily basis. And Jesus says, give us today the food we need or give us our daily bread. And we all um, take time to eat. We have breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between, bars of chocolate at night, packets of crisps at night, yogurts at night. It's always nighttime. I fall short. I don't know about you guys. So our prayer life should be the same. We should be making time as hard as it is in the busyness of life, uh, t to pray, um, give us this day our daily bread. And so we need to make time. And our prayer then can't become robotic and forced. It still has to be relational. It has to be children communicating to our Heavenly Father. Um, so we have to make time. Jesus also suggests God's character. And I've put big capital letters and loads of stars. He uses the word holy. And when we pray, we must understand that we're praying to an almighty, powerful, strong, and just God. And we should never use his name lightly. Um, sometimes I've heard people saying that if God does his job right, then this will happen. Or if God does this right, this will happen. And it seems a little bit against how Jesus is saying we should hold his name in the highest regard of holy. Um, sometimes we pray as if God's due us the favors, or sometimes we pray and refer to this big man in the sky, and that's a million miles away from how Jesus explains it, to keep his name holy. Um, we should be approaching God in prayer, uh, and awe and wonder of all he's done with fear, with respect, with praise and a heart full of thankfulness and gratitude, saying, Father, I love you. You're mighty, you're strong, you're powerful. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. We're praising and stirring our hearts. You can even bring up things that have happened. Thank you for taking away my Audi S3. <laughs> I still need some healing. Thank you, Father, for moving. Thank you for healing. Thank you for um, protecting. Thank you for continuously guiding me, praising and worshiping like Sam. Sam 86 is one you could take a note of. His prayer is filled with that style, with those words building up and thanking and exalting God. Um, so Jesus then um, moves on to forgiveness and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Um, repentance. Forgive us, Father. What we're doing is recognizing our need for His continued grace and love in our life. Not approaching God like some kind of vending machine when we need something, when money's getting a bit tight or the car's broken down. Father, suddenly praying, it's, uh, it's a thanking first and foremost, what God's done for us in our lives for, and, and repenting of the, the things that we do um, if we've fallen short or slipped up. But um, um, without God, without the cross, we are just mere sinners heading to destruction, but it's through his abundance of love and grace and the power of cross that we do confess our sin, uh, knowing and having confidence that the blood of Jesus Christ changes everything and makes us 
right again in the sight of God. And James 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And it ties in nicely with the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us, Father. If we're, we're asking for forgiveness, Jesus makes us righteous. And then James is saying the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And if we're living like that and we're praying like that, we can know that when we pray, we're praying with power and we're praying with that heavenly force and that our prayers are indeed being heard and being answered. And uh, also... Uh, Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Our prayer life can maybe fluctuate with how we're feeling or with current circumstances, so we have to take on board what the Bible is teaching us there to rejoice always. Jimmy preached on this last week. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. That might be hard when the doctors diagnose somebody with cancer. It might be hard when there's no money in the bank, but it's a, it goes against the flesh. The flesh is to be like the Israelites and just to focus on what's on around us and uh, things falling apart and to maybe moan a little bit and complain a little bit. And then we see Joshua, who, or the, the spies, the two the 12 says, you know what, I'm seeing this differently. And that's what this is encouraging us, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, and we'll see things move powerfully in our, um, in our life. So I'm going to do a wee science experiment, is that all right? Come on. Can I have Alice or Lisa come up, please? I'll probably have to put this mic down for a wee second. I'm a plumbing and heating engineer, and sometimes... Uh, could you hold that a wee second? I'm a plumbing and heating engineer, and uh, often we'll go to drain a system to renew it or whatever, do some maintenance on it. And we'll find that there's not a drain point on the system, or sometimes the drain points become clogged up. So even when you're opening it, nothing's really happening. So what we have to do is siphon the water from the tank. And let me tell you, if you put that hose too far down, that an old cylinder that's been there for 40 years, what comes out of that hose is horrendous. And it goes right into your mouth. And I have been there too many times. Um, I should have mastered that. I actually learned how to siphon when I was 15, and me and a few guys were skipping through the fields at twilight with a diesel can and a hose, heading towards the big farmer's combine harvester at the top of the hill. And as thick as thieves, the four of us sucked and sucked and sucked and sucked on this hose, trying to draw as much diesel out of this as we could until about an hour and a half later, we came to the conclusion that the fact that it was left in the field was probably because it ran out of diesel. And here we were, thick as thieves already. So my hose is a bit long. I did have a shorter one, but I didn't think it was appropriate for church because it was too kinky. 
It's just like this one. I'll let you catch up. So, so to siphon, there's a technique, and I've always compared this to prayer. So, this should be clear. There's one over there. I tested it at home in the bath. Whatever happened between there and here, it's got a hole in it. So, again, it's also fit for church. It's holy. However, so this is actually full of water. I apologize, you can't see that. However, you'll see it transfer. Now, for me to get that water from there to there, what do I need to do? Suck. Okay. So, to the untrained uh, thief or plumber and heating engineer, the tendency would be to get this hose and suck for dear life with everything that my lungs can possibly give. But if I did that, I'd just get weak and dizzy and weary and I'd get absolutely nowhere because it doesn't work like that. What I have to do is draw the water from here to here with continuous small breaths or continuously drawing the air a bit at a time. So here goes. I did a practice run. So I'm going to, I'm not going to bother trying to suck it as hard as I can because you can just take it for my experience. It gets you absolutely nowhere. I have actually learned that if you get a wet and dry hoover and just stick a hoover in the hose, it's much quicker, but that doesn't help with our fair life, does it? So <laughs> here goes. So now what you're seeing is the water transferring from here to here. Hey, I will see it for up there. How big is it? Do you know how heavy that's going to get? <laughs> oh, the hose. I can't lift it too high, obviously. But okay. So there we go, okay? I have to keep it. So that's basic science siphoning water or diesel, whatever you get up to. And basically, so what I did was there was, a, there was air in that pipe. I had to draw a bit at a time the air out of that pipe. And then when that air was fully removed, gravity took over and is currently taken over. And it is letting the water transfer from there to here. Now that pink or purple bucket represents heaven, it represents your prayers, it represents the answers, and we are told to pray continuously, we're told to pray without season, and this is a small illustration that if I was to pray, sometimes when Jesus warned us about praying and babbling on, it's like the one big 20, 30 minute prayer. If I pray long enough and put in enough big words, that prayer will get answered. But Jesus is teaching us to pray continuously, to pray without season, to pray each day. Doesn't, we're not set like some religions. It's not so many times a day or at a certain time. It's, we've all got different lives, so that's uh, personal. But this is a small illustration of praying continuously and just drawing heaven, the power of heaven, the power of prayer daily into our lives. And for a while I was drawing air. There was like, it appeared like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, 
heaven starts to move and our prayer is answered. So there's a small scientific experiment. You can try it tonight in the bath. If you like. It's still going. Grace. <laughs> so there you go. Give it up for Alistair. He's a great help. Thanks, Phil. Still a bit to go. Cool. I had visions of lots of things going wrong. Okay. iPad. There you go. Maybe the band could just come back up uh, just now. That would be fantastic. The last thing that Jesus said in the prayer is, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And we've got another scripture to finish on Ephesians. 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It then goes on to verse 18 and says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I don't know if anyone's seen the movie War Room. I watched it last night just because I was preaching on praying and thought it would be good to watch. And I know the ladies are going to watch that together, so I'm not going to give too much away. So, I almost grilling. <laughs> but our battle is not against flesh and blood. And sometimes when we see sin enters our home, maybe it's um, alcohol, or maybe it's drugs, prescription drugs, possibly um, it's financial ruin, maybe depression gets in, maybe family breakup, maybe adultery's got into our home, maybe a, a strained marriage, maybe just temptation within ourselves, whatever. The battle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against argue, arguing with hu husband and wife, arguing is not what we're taught to do fighting against the will of rebellion in our kids or teenagers or whatever, fighting against the will of those who will not come to church, fighting against our friends or our workmates who will not listen or, or, or respect or um, hear the, the gospel, whatever. The battle is not flesh and blood. It's the, it's the power of darkness. And we're encouraged to pray in the Spirit and in this movie, if I can just give one little bit away, the bit that really struck a chord with me and actually brought a tear to my eye was when this lady who's having a pretty hard time has enough and she stands up and she starts taking authority. She starts crying out and she starts casting out Satan in all these areas in her life. She starts going on a rampage through our home. She starts going mad. She goes outside and starts screaming and it really struck a chord with me that sometimes we, uh, that our, we battle in our mind, we take the strain of things, but we're being taught and encouraged to pray in the Spirit, to 
spiritual warfare. And I just want to leave that with you. I'm going to invite Elma up if she would just pray for us and um, for maybe any of that stuff that's going on in our lives. And I'm pretty much finished now. So if the band just want to start playing, and we'll let Elma come up and she's going to pray. Mm-hmm.